Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today we have an absolutely awesome talk with the head of high performance services for aquatic sports at Arizona State University, Mr. Keenan Robinson. Keenan and I have uh, been talking back and forth and known each other for the last six years due to a actually coaching the same athlete, one that he coached at North Baltimore. They came here to Richmond. And in today's talk, guys, that's that's what we're talking. We're talking developing the aquatic athlete. Keenan's in a unique position where he's been able to work with athletes from very young ages all the way up to the greatest of all time in Michael Phelps. So we, we get into talking about that, what it's like working with uh, the youth kids from NBAC and then working at college now at Arizona, Arizona State and before he was up at, uh, at Michigan and, you know, all the way up to these Olympians and the pros, the post-grad kids that he's, that he's got now and the, and the ones that he's had for quite some time. We get into uh, talking a bit about building the training culture and understanding the complementary effect of strength and conditioning uh, when it comes to swimming and how you really need to understand what's going on in the water um, to incorporate things into your dry land program. Uh, again, something that's really similar to every other talk that we've had when it comes to training is, you know, how can we help the athlete become better at their sport? You know, Keenan talks about the importance of the aerobic system and really how that is one of the driving factors to the success of the kids that they have. And we talk about the future of, you know, training the aquatic athlete, where he sees it going. And, of course, uh, there's quite a bit of talk about Michael Phelps. I mean, obviously, um, when you work with the greatest of all time and and have been involved with his development through his entire career, uh, you know, he's going to have a profound effect on how you are as a coach. And what Michael has been able to do to help Keenan become better is really awesome. Um, I mean, it's it, Michael as a resource for him to become a better coach is, is really a fascinating story. I, I hope you guys enjoy this talk as much as I did. Keenan is uh, Keenan's awesome, and let's get right to it. Keenan, thanks for taking the time, man. I can't be any more excited to talk swimming with the man when it comes to dealing with uh, the aquatic athlete. Well, well, Jay, I really appreciate you having me on, and, and I would have to say that uh, you were an early mentor. Um, your, your work with Richmond has been uh, not really well documented, but, but those of us in the field that see what you're doing know that you're a game changer. Um, and I'm sure you can appreciate this. When we first started working with the aquatic athlete, there's not a lot of information out there. And the information that's out there is, you know, they want us doing cartwheels on BOSU balls and, yeah. and other stuff. So, you know, being able to, to turn to you and, you and for you to open up information right away, probably about, what was it, about six years ago when, when Jesse first stepped foot on your campus, um, has really assisted me along the, along the way. Man, it was six years ago she got here. I think so, right? I mean, like... Yeah, she graduated two years. God, I'm old. Man, <laughs> that was a long time ago. Good grief. And see, you know, when these kids, you know, you keep rolling them out, you always think they're still freshmen, and now it's like, gosh. Jess graduated like two years ago, so yeah, six years. Holy mackerel. Time flies when you don't get to sleep, I guess. Yeah, exactly. That's a good line. I like it. <laughs> so... You've been in an interesting situation where you've been able to work at the top of the top and you've been able to work with kids who are just starting out. So let's kind of talk about 
how that works, how, how it is dealing with the younger kids, like when you were back with North Baltimore and now at the university setting and, and of course, your post-grad and pro guys. So I think um, the thing that, that, that hit me was uh, being able to work with such good swim coaches and swim coaches that have visions and plans. So the age group coaches at, at North Baltimore they weren't looking to specifically have their kids break all these national age group records when they were 10, 11, and 12. They wanted to give the kids a foundation so that as they moved up through the program, and hopefully if they wanted to swim at the collegiate level, or some of those had the aspirations of doing something at an international level, they had the foundation and the base to get them there so there was more to add to the picture. And so it kind of made, it made intuitive sense that um, instead of giving these kids a program from a, from a dry land perspective that was uh, commensurate with our high school seniors or our postgraduate group there, we needed to really have a, a true long-term athlete development program. And so it kind of worked back to what I wanted to see them look like when I started to put implements into their hands, whether it was dumbbells, kettlebells, barbells, whatever it may be. Um, so setting them up to have that requisite I guess movement, as we call it, or requisite strength, so that when they walk into the weight room at, at a later age in high school, they were ready to go. And I think the other service that I feel like we have to provide with a sport like swimming is, yes, it's a, it's a sport specialization, right? So they usually, by the time they turn 13, they know swimming is their deal, and that's all they're going to really do. And I completely agree from, a, obviously, from my athletic training background, I completely agree with with the information that's out there that sports specialization can lead to orthopedic injuries, can lead to uh, psychological burnout. So what our out-of-water activity had to be in an early age was developing those fundamental skills that they're not getting by being a soccer player in the fall, a swimmer in the wintertime, and a lacrosse player in the spring. So giving them so much, such a wide range of um, sport disciplines. And because... You know, probably from the collegiate setting, if by the time they're 18 years old and they step foot on your campus, your basketball guys, if they haven't been truly taught how to jump and land, like your ability for your coach to say, okay, Jay, I want all five of these freshmen, their vertical jump to improve, you know, for you to say, like, well, it's going to take, I don't think it's going to make a huge improvement this year because i got to reteach these guys how to jump and land. So if we have these kids at the ability to do that stepping foot on campus, We've done them a service instead of a disservice. Oh, yeah, and I look at it with Nova really similarly, is we need to build them to how we can train them when they're in the, the highest group that we have. But then when we get those kids, that second half when we lead them into Nats or juniors in the summer is all about I need to make sure that you're ready to go to college. So can you find what your college coach is going to have you do? You know, for some of them, it's just as simple as, like, one kid, his coach wanted him to be able to use a rower. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll show you how to use it, and we'll, we'll do what they want you to do. You know, there are some programs out there that really like weightlifting exercises. I don't teach it with swimmers. I, I don't teach it with my basketball players either for a different reason. But I definitely don't teach them with the swimmers. So we'll teach them. We'll start from the ground and... You know, teach them how to deadlift, teach them how to, teach them that second pull, teach them how to, you know, at least get a clean pull. And if we can do that in the last six weeks of the summer, I mean, it's, you know, nothing heavy, but just building them up. It, it, 
I, I couldn't agree more. We do owe them, especially because of how invested they are in the sport. I think that we owe them the ability to be prepared and to walk in and be the best kids in the gym that they can be. Right, because it's going to make their career a lot better, and it's going to make the, the physical preparation coach with whom they're working with, their job a lot easier. Right, mm -hmm. So if they get 10 freshmen, but this one kid, or maybe two, one kid from Nova and one kid from NBAC, knows in, can look at a card and be like, all right, here, I know how to go through this whole process. You know, that's, that's making everybody in the whole organization's process so much easier. Mm -hmm. You know, like, and, then, and then let the kids... You're right. Like there's, I, I, I don't do a lot of the overhead Olympic lifts with, with our swimmers, um, but at least I teach them, right? They, they, they probably know it from a unilateral standpoint, so that when they see on a card, week one, hopefully they don't, but they will, uh, from the floor, overhead snatch, the kid's going to know what that is. They're probably going to have some trepidation in the back of their mind, but at least they know what it is and they can get after it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that it's 100% our job doing with these young kids. So then we'll transition going forward to where you are now, and then how does, how does this plan change now? Well, I think, um, and, I, and, I, and I'll, I'll say that probably after 2012, um, you know, I was going back and looking through our, our program, and I just, even though we had, some, we had some success, right, some minor success in 2012. Yeah, you could say that. Um, I, I just wanted to get better, and... Uh, by circumstance, I, I came across Joe Ken's book, The Tier System, and I read through that, and it, it just hit me like his, his weekly structure of athletic movements was exactly what I was looking for in terms of how do I pair our lifting session um, with what we're doing in the water from a weekly basis. You know, and I, again, I've had the luxury of working with Coach Bowman for my entire career. So I, I know what he's doing every day, for the most part, and, and the intent. And every day has a, a, you know, either a physiological, um, definitely a physiological, or maybe a neuromuscular intent. It's not just two hours of nonsense going up and down a box of water. You know, so being able to, to structure my weekly weight program in accordance with the water workout just has been a, has been a game changer with us. Um, and so now stepping foot into the collegiate, back into the collegiate setting, again, I'm going to use a, um, a line that he uses and, and all the kids until they've seen, I've seen them run the program, which I believe in, they're all starting at baseline zero, right? So they all, the college boys, you know, they all come and they say, well, I back squat 385. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you, you do a, you do a movement, which looks something like a squat at 385 pounds, but I don't feel confident allowing you to do that because I know what's going to happen is I'm going to be treating you when I have athletic training hours for some sort of anatomical disorder or dysfunction. So, um, again, we've spent, we're just finishing our third week um, of our first cycle, and, again, it was just basic fundamental movement patterns. I want to make sure that when they squat, with an external load, they're squatting the way I would like them to look. Um, and I think that that's the same thing I would do with our, our 13 and 14-year-old group at Baltimore. So it's very similar because um, 
similar because that's that's what's that's what they need at that time. And again, in accordance with that, they're getting a brand new stimulus from the water. Right. Right. So from a from a neural standpoint, from a hormonal standpoint, they're about to get shocked. And I know it's coming on Friday and Saturday. So when they're like going heavy volume, heavy volume, heavy volume, heavy intensity in the weight room, I have the ability to have them understand and appreciate like these are the numbers that we want to hit within a realm because Friday is always a kick set with us. So if your legs are cached, I mean, when you show up to Pac-12s, you can turn to the guys from Cal and Stanford and say, yo, Dougie, I, I squatted 400 pounds. And they're like, okay, <laughs> See <ya. laughs> Yeah, right? But if you improve your kick set, you know, they, they, then, then they're going to know, man, that guy just, he went 15, no problem, on the 75 of his 100. We're, we're in trouble now. These guys can swim, right? Yeah. So... Just kind of changing that that kind of thought that thought process and, and getting them on board with that has is, is been the has been the, like the first three weeks here. You know, and it's it's funny to kind of piggyback that. You know, the sort of a revolving theme is always kind of pumping your brakes and doing a little bit less to make sure they can recover, and then on top of that, just remembering that everything that we do needs to be. Um, needs to be complementary to the actual sporting exercise. And, and being in a sport like swimming, uh, the one thing that I would say is, is very similar to, to basketball is there were people that were really, really good at this before a bunch of short guys with shaved heads and beards were yelling at them to squat more weight. You know, like people were swimming really, really fast. I, I bet, you know, Spitz probably wasn't, you know, cleaning 300 pounds and, and being able to squat five. And, you know, and, and he did okay in the Olympics. Um, so, so being able, like you said, to, to know how the week is going and to piggyback your program off of what Coach Bowman's doing is really something that, that is going to separate you guys um, in the long run. Because there's, there aren't a lot of people, I think, that, that, that look at it that way. Is it, I'm the strength coach. I need to make you stronger. You need to be better at this. You need to do that. The stuff in the water is the coach's problem. Well, sort of. Because if now, if all of a sudden we're doing stuff and their kick set sucks on Friday, like our kick day is on, uh, on Saturday, so I know our Thursday, we're not going to kill them Thursday because two days later is when they're not going to be able to feel their feet, and then all of a sudden they're going to come into the weight room, and then Matt's going to follow them and be like, bro, like, they were garbage. And it's like, so now the girls hate me because they can't walk downstairs. The coaches hate me because the girls can't swim. So now you're just a jerk, you know, like where you can monitor that and, and give them just enough and let them come back so that Saturday's good for us or Friday's good for you guys. I mean, that, stuff like that, no pun intended, is we're going to go into uh, talking about your postgrad guys, is, is worth its weight in gold, you know? <laughs> Um, so let's talk about that then. So now you've got, you've got the young kids that were doing one thing that kind of piggybacks into how you're handling your collegiate athletes. And now let's talk about the post-grad guys and, and ladies that you've got their training now. Well, I would, I would say this too, with the postgraduate again, um, I'm really, I'm really blessed because, um, 
have, more than half of them have exhausted their NC2 eligibility, but a lot of those kids I started working with when they were back in high school, right? Like, um, and then, you know, Michael started, like, he didn't really touch weights until he got to Michigan, and they did, a, they did a phenomenal job of introducing them to weights, and it's it pretty funny, like, his program leading up to Beijing was a hit program, right? So it was all hammer strength base, get in there, three by 20, rotate to the next exercise. Did okay, right? Yeah. <laughs> because you didn't get hurt, right? Like, you know, but, but that being said, there was probably some things that maybe could have, um, you know, could have been changed or whatever, but it was fine. He didn't, he didn't get hurt. He was able to get to the blocks in Beijing, and he handled his. Um, Allison Schmidt, like she started working with us uh, when she was a sophomore or junior in high school, and then a lot of the other kids I have, they were high schoolers in, in Baltimore, and I just kind of slow cooked the process, and then they, they went on and, and uh, went to some great colleges. We have three kids here from from Stanford, and as you know, like Shannon Turley is absolutely one of the best in the business, mm-hmm. and he educates the staff well. They're a forward thinking program, so those those guys just. They were taken care of. They would come home in the summer, and they were technically probably more proficient than when, when, when I worked with them. And it's like, this this process is great. Um, so it's been really, I wouldn't say easy, but it's been great because they kind of stuck to my overall long-term vision and plan. And so now we're, um, you know, we're about seven and a half months from trial when you, when you kind of look at the way we, we take time out, right? Like they're going to miss time for for Christmas, they'll miss time for Thanksgiving, so to speak. So you got you always got like I got always factor that in mm-hmm. in terms of our weekly cycle. Um, and so again, they they started up right after the ones that were at the World Championships. Uh, we had two there. Um, they came back five days after World Championships. Michael and Allison came right back after after nationals. So we didn't really miss a beat. We don't take a lot of time off. So um, they didn't lose much. Um, but that being said, like I look at the, this is, this year is, although the most stressful, so the most difficult in that, in that aspect, it's kind of easiest because I know where the end point is, right? We're not con- continuing to build for the four-year program. And so we just finished our, our, our we finished our first three-week cycle, which is the, the only time of year that I'll go really heavy volume and heavier intensity with these kids because we started off the first two weeks in the water only going singles. So if you, you know, if you know anything about swimming, they typically do doubles at least three times a week. Some programs go four or five times a week. Yeah. Um, so from a, from a neural and, a, and an endocrine and metabolic system, you always got to factor that in. If you don't, that's kind of why your numbers aren't hit, or that's why their numbers aren't hit in the water, vice versa. Something's compromised. So um, this time, you know, because I've been been working with these guys for a little while, I, I push the envelope. And, and with swimming, you're always walking on thin ice. And you hope that you're not the one that makes them step through and fall, but I mean, I'm low man on the totem pole. I'll always take the blame. So I, I pushed it a little bit uh, more aggressively than I, than, I, than I probably should have, but no harm, no, no foul. But uh, yesterday, I was just telling you before we started this up, yesterday was, you know, the, the, the work that they have been doing over the past three weeks came to, came to fruition and... Um, it really nice, it coincided nicely. We, were, we got back a lot of these guys' blood, blood, blood draws, and so I could see where they were at from a, from a, like what their body actually looked like inside, like how they're, how they're, um, they're responding. And, 
but they're they're crushed. So again, every time I, I told you, I, I could probably I should probably write every one of our, their workout cards in pencil because we're going to be crossing stuff out depending on how they responded to the water um, workout. Um, so that being said, then now we're going to move into a, to a phase of um, um, lower lower volume but but higher intensity um, and working up to. Um, which which will be through December, and then from uh, January, February, and March, we'll we'll go into um, pretty pretty specific. Um, probably, if you know Joe's system, like we'll probably go three traditional tiers, and then um, more auxiliary work or, or tier four, tier five will not necessarily be unilateral work or work that helps assist the big lifts. It'll be more into um, stabilization and, and some med ball activities because you know with us we don't we don't with swimming you don't lift and then do a conditioning or metabolic thing day two and then back to lift metabolic because they're conditioning the entire time right so you have to you have to incorporate if you want to do jumps or true plyometrics I know you could, you could probably speak to whether we're really doing jumps or plyometrics and and, and your upper body with, with med ball work all into one program uh, over a three-day period. Um, we kind of probably changed the thought process, typical thought process in swimming where um, most of them go a lift, and then the next day they do core, uh, which is, you know, whatever it is, and then lift, core, lift, core. Um, we're over-volumized sport. You, I mean, we... We as a swim program, we, we never go over an hour and 50 minutes. So everybody thinks Bob's is heavy volume, three-hour practice, you know, open, you know, long, long volumes, but it's not. He's a high-intensity program. Everything is pretty short interval. Um, but that being said, it's still over-volumized. I mean, I, I've got the numbers to, to speak. We, we started putting them on, on sleep monitoring systems uh, back in February. And even when we're low, we're... We're, we're still high from a, from a physiological response. So um, I said, you know, I need to cram everything into three days here in the early season, and then we'll probably drop down to two days of, of work with me, specific work with me, just to allow that, their swim-specific activity to get its most benefit. Bob's not that high of a volume guy. He is not a high volume guy. That's the biggest myth in swimming. Well, the first myth is that Michael didn't have to work hard to become great. That's probably the first myth that he oh, yeah. just he just jumped in the water at fourteen and gold medals just started falling from the sky. That was probably the first myth. But of course, Bobby, his coach, yeah, is that he he's this heavy volumer. You know, the K man up in Tennessee. Now that's some volumes they're getting into. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they're getting some volume there. You know, and. Um, but no, Bob. Bob's way more um, on um, on getting specific work done in the shortest amount of time. So, um, what's most challenging about his his workouts is is the work to rest interval. So, um, I wonder if that's NBAC then. What's that? I wonder if that's just the rep with NBAC then. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, you look at some of the stuff that Michael did at an early, early age, 12, 13, 14, and that, that was heavy volume work. And if you ask Bob, he would say that he wouldn't, he would still give him the same type of work. He may not have hit, you know, two 9,000 meter practices in the same day. Again, he probably would have adjusted that. But that being said, 
people are always scratching their head and oh why why is you know why is Michael still so good at 30 years old? You know, Ryan for that matter, why is Ryan very good at 31? It's because they put a lot of aerobic money in the bank. Right? And and now I think more of the other sport disciplines are trying to oh man, aerobic work is aerobic work is is good. So their their circulatory response has allowed them to recover, recover, recover. And now we can kind of get into that that short speed work. So yeah, volume is not our deal. That's awesome. So if you build a big aerobic engine, you're able to re- you're able to be more productive within bouts and between bouts, and for a longer period of time. Imagine I mean, he's been that. <laughs> you know, he's got a great talk. Bob's got a great talk. If you go on USA Swimming, he talks about capacity versus utilization, and he talked about. Michael had an aerobic cup going into Beijing that was the size of the Atlantic Ocean. He just could go back to the well every time. That's why his bouts. And, and, and Michael's obviously the, the figurehead of Bob's program, but you look in, you know, in Beijing, you had Peter Vanderkay win individual medals. He had Eric Vett and Cleet Keller on the relays. Um, Allison Schmidt individually. Um, Scott Stan Jr. finaled in the, in the 200 breast. And then you look at in 2012, and Allison and Michael combined for the most medals of any, any club in the entire world. Like, they, they, they won more medals than a lot of countries won, just the two of them. You know, and, and so it's their, their repeat bout efforts. But he talks about, you know, his guys go in with a, you know, Atlantic Ocean-sized aerobic base, and so they can always come out. But, you know, Michael's self-testimony going to London, he went from the Atlantic Ocean Cup to about a thimble, you know, of aerobic base because he just, he just didn't do that type of work leading up to London, and it had caught up to him, and he was always the first to admit it. Um, so you would have thought that more people would have been like, man, if he's saying that, it's right. But yeah, Especially someone who's just talented in every realm in the sport, not just the physical abilities and, and the anthropometrics and the power, but you know the, the understanding and the knowledge and, and all of that coming from, I mean, the best of all time. You would, you would think that that might be an aha moment for people. Maybe. I don't know. But then what do we know? We're just strength coaches. Um, <laughs> but no, so then let's, let's, let's piggyback then with that. So what do you think allowed Mike then to be that successful if he, if he went from being able to repeat bouts infinitely, let's just throw a random number out, to being charred, how was he so successful then in, in London? Well, he had the, the, he still had enough in his cup compared to everybody else. Um, number, and then number two, uh, I think his ability at the highest stakes, there's no one better in sport history. He has absolute ice going through his veins when he steps on the block at the highest level. He steps up and is able to block out the white noise, and focus completely on what he has to do. And he knows when he gets on a block, he knows exactly what his race is going to go. I mean, he knows how many strokes he's going to take. That's why, like, in, in Beijing, his goggles filled up during the 200 butterfly. Yeah. Still won the race. Because he knows, he knows. He has focused and he has practiced so sharply all those elements. Um, and I think to his, to his credit, he... In the last nine, ten months in preparatory work for that, he knew that he wasn't 
he couldn't make up for lost time. He wasn't going to hit that aerobic. So he kind of looked at what are some of the things that I can do, whether in the weight room or so we kind of, you know, weight room pool in terms of starts and turns. How can I make up for some lost time quickly uh, with some of the other kind of means to get there? Um, and he is the absolute best. If I, the program that I provide to swimmers has, whatever, whether it's successful or, or bad, I'm sure it's, some people view it as terrible, but whatever, it's, it's come from the swimmers that I've worked with and then giving me positive feedback. And Michael is the absolute best at looking at a modality and saying, this has transference. Like, I don't need to put him on a Swiss ball with cables and try and replicate stroke because his stroke is fine. I don't want to screw that up. Right? And we got to think, when you're, whatever, you're, whatever stimulus you're implying to the body has a neurological and a physiological component to it. So if he just spent an hour and 47 minutes fine-tuning his stroke and his sport discipline, I'm not trying to repeat that. I'm not Bob Bowman. You know, I'm not going to put him on a cable or a band to try and replicate that. I'm going to strengthen the parts. And he has got an innate ability to tell me whether it's our aquatic posture activities or, you know, some would see it as core, but it's aquatic posture activities or just the general lifts and telling me this, if I do this for four weeks, if I do it for two weeks, it's going to make this better. So I'm going to stick with it, you know, and, um, you talk about the greats within our profession, Jay, and again, it's my own personal opinions, but I think, you know, Joe Ken, Buddy Morris, mm-hmm. those guys are working with the highest income sport, right? Like, their sport, if they screw up their guys, that's a lot of money lost. And for them to, to verbally say, hey, if a guy like Carson Palmer comes into my weight room and says, I don't want to do this exercise, and I give them... 14 exercises, which are knee-dominant exercises, and he picks one, then we're going to go with that. That really hit home with me, instead of saying, like, we're going to continue to put round pegs into square square holes. Michael hates the front squat. He will not front squat. He hates it. Okay, but if I'm going to eventually get him to a hang clean at the end of the season, I've got to get him comfortable catching up here. So, okay, will you do a barbell reverse lunge? Yeah, no problem with that. Same lift, right? Same movement, but he's cool with it. That's, I mean, I think that's, you know, it's testimony to, to, to him saying this this has application. Let's go with it. And then us to kind of camouflage what he's doing. It's the same thing, but he doesn't hate it. Yeah. So it gives him a me, it gives me an ability to have a progression to get him where he's at. Instead of just saying, you're going to front squat and I'm going to yell at you. And we're going to hate each other, but I'm the tough guy. Or I'm not going to do diligence and get him comfortable catching up here and then break his skate foot when he does his first clean. Yeah. yeah. And blame it on him that he's not an athlete. Right? That's, the, that's the most negligible excuse. And it, it, it irritates me when you say, oh, you know, a kid, a kid blew out the anterior shoulder because he was doing a reverse bicep curl, not a clean. Well, they're, they're just not an athlete. It wasn't the program's fault. It was the teaching, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But that's interesting, you know, and giving them that ownership. We've actually been toying around with that here, you know, and we're starting with our, our older swimmers as well, is being like, listen, so I need you to do something like X. What do you want? You know, and the first time you ask them that, they kind of look at you like a deer in headlights, like, what? You, you, want, you, you want me to, to pick? It's like, 
dude, you've been here three years. If you don't know by now, I mean, I don't know what you want. Um, I mean, and there'll even be some spots like with the with the guys. I mean, some of them that they're advanced enough in here. You know, it's what is you know it's just some of these general exercises. What's really going to help with the carryover? Where it's like, Jay, I really hate doing that. Okay, so we just won't do those. You you like doing like oh I, you you don't like doing rows? All right, well, do you like doing pull ups? Yeah. Oh, and you like pull downs? Yeah. Well, then just do those two. Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, thanks. You know, it's like oh. You know, I mean, it's... And I guess we got to preface that is we're not letting them write their own program. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but we're letting them have... Because the other side of that is there's stuff that they all look at when they come in. They're like, oh, sh- I hate this routine. Yo, but yeah. they, they hate it because it's, it's a challenge and it taxes them and their body. But they know it's, you know, it's, it's like kale. Right? Like, they don't like kale, but they'll, they'll eat it every day because they know it's good for them. Perfect. Right? That's the perfect analogy. It's like kale. Oh, I'm gonna I'll probably use that four times today. <laughs> but yeah, like so the guys were, you know, squatting a twenty. Guys, we'll make a deal with you. We'll, we'll only hit fives. Build up, we'll start working our fives up so when we get to the eights you can squat. But we'll do step ups instead. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, now do 20 on your left leg, and then just do 20 on your right leg right after. And the first day, you just all you hear is just these thuds from the dumbbells just hitting the ground, and like a chorus of FUJs. You know, it's like, well, we know we don't want to do that, because we don't want to put 300 pounds on your back for that duration. It's just not, you're 6'7". That's not a good idea. So let's do this instead. It's a fair trade, right? Yeah, it's a fair trade, but it's... It's scale. I mean, it's, you know, it's perfect. That's a great one. So then I guess the next question would be, since it is so different, um, and it really doesn't get to the forefront as often as it should, but where do you see the future of training swimmers going? Where do I hope it goes, or where do I see it going? Yes. So I... I I think it's going to continue on its path that it's down where, um, just like all sport disciplines, no exercise, no program is ultimately the best, and no exercise, no program is ultimately the worst. Um, so there's, there's, you know, there's varieties. Like I, I'm sure the way that you train is, is, is similar to, I don't know, who's good at best, Duke and UNC train, but maybe different than how Michigan State and and Wisconsin train, um, but there's similarities in the all of them. The, the thing with swimming that I see is that there's some programs that are on this end of the spectrum, and then there's some that are way on the end of the spectrum. And I would like to see a little bit more, like here, probably like our like a like a basketball or football. They kind of sit here instead of way out here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I and I hope that it gets more into um, our. our the strength, the human performance, whatever our titles are now, I mean, they yeah. change every, they change every, but there are some brilliant, brilliant people in our field. You know, you being one of them, and the greatest service that you do to our industry and to sport as in general is your conference that you host every summer. Um, you know, I wish it was like in, in the fall or, or some other time. You always host it during, uh, during a big meet. But at any rate, like, as soon as you release that, I'm purchasing it 
and, and, and watching that because we've got so many smart uh, people in the industry. And yeah, they may be the they may be the um, what it was Gay was like the assistant football strength coach for Baylor, right? Yeah, Andrew. Like, yeah, but he's brilliant. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right? Brian Mann, I think, works mostly with soccer at Mizzou, right? Yep, and he does a lot academically, obviously. Brilliant, genius, right? And I, so I hope. To, to, I guess that's the long, long answer is that I hope that coaches and athletes in swimming appreciate that it's no longer, even though the guy may work with football, he's an educated coach and have an open dialogue as to my preference is not to have kids. The coach, the swim coach may say, I don't like deadlifts because they injure people's backs. Okay. That's your thought. That's your thought. Now there's an educated approach by the by the strength coach, the head of strength at whatever university or college you're at, saying, yes, there can be the potential for injuries when deadlifting. Here's how we bring our teams along to get to the deadlift. We don't pull them right from the floor. Like we, we high grip X-bar deadlift them or we elevated kettlebell deadlift them so that eventually – May not be their freshman year, may not be their sophomore year, but maybe their junior year, they're pulling from the floor, and it's going to have this type of response to them, which will help in sport mm-hmm. performance. That's what I hope gets to, is that there's way more educated dis- discussion, and, and, you know, it's going to happen, you know, both sides, both the coaching side and the, and the sport coaching side and the general physical prep side are going to have to continue to elevate their education and, and be able to meet head on. And, and you look at it, the most successful in, in, in the industry have, have done that. Like, I'm no longer an altruistic program. Like, yes, me personally, you know, whoever it is, like, me personally, I like powerlifting. But I'm never going to put Michael in, you know, he's not doing Louis Simmons' program. But he'll have elements of it in there. Why? Because Louis is a self-educated man. He, he pro- you and him are probably, and maybe Buddy, have probably read the Eastern Bloc information more than anybody in this country. That's why you guys have successful programs, you know, at different levels. And, and yeah, you guys have your, your, your means and your modes of doing it, but it's based on found, sound education and how you apply it to whatever population you're doing. Um, that's, that's where I hope it goes to. Yeah, I think that that's a pretty awesome, pretty awesome direction for us to take. And I really do appreciate the kind words, but I appreciate the talk even more. Keenan, this has been awesome. People are gonna love this. I cannot wait to get this up. This is this is fantastic, bro. Well, hey, I appreciate you having it on. Like I said, your your education of, of our field and our industry is is I mean, you're you're a great service and I hope I hope Richmond appreciates that. That you're you're making your industry better. So like the professors in the engineering department, you're you're really glorifying your industry and your sport population. So I, I can't thank you enough, and uh, just please keep doing it, man. Don't, don't become a, a wall. No, we aren't going to stop, my friend. We definitely aren't. Thank you so much for being on, brother. We will catch up real soon. All right. Thanks, Jake. An absolutely huge thank you to today's guest, Keenan Robinson from Arizona State University. This talk had so many gems and so much awesome information and I mean shoot even great analogies 
I can't thank Keenan enough for taking the time out and sharing just openly everything that's going on and his, and his experiences. I, I, I really hope you guys enjoyed this talk as much as I did because it really, really resonated a lot with me. If you guys have any questions for Keenan or any thoughts, post them below. If you guys enjoyed the talk, please share it. Again, remember, we're just trying to get good quality information out to coaches. So if you enjoy it and you find the information helpful, please share it. And as always, guys, if you do have questions, tweet them at us, leave them below, Facebook, on the YouTube page, on the CVASPS page, wherever it may be. Um, let's continue dialogue. Let's continue the discussion if we can further. And as always, thank you so much for being part of the podcast. We will be back next week with another great guest. Thanks, guys. Have a great one.